Say good morning. Good morning. Somebody said, I hope Trent doesn't start stuttering all over the place because he's a handsy talker and I'm down one hand, right? That's a possibility. It's a possibility. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm not going to mention the four Percocets I took this morning, so if I start drooling out the side of my mouth, uh, we'll just show Trent some grace. Amen? Okay, okay. Hey, listen, we are in first... Th- hey, the Percocet thing, just kidding. Only took three. So, <laughs> you know, hey, First Thessalonians uh, chapter 3 is where we're at this morning. And, uh, and, and I want to say uh, to Taryn and the guys that led worship this morning, thank you all so much. Amen. Truly, I love, I love our guys, right? Man, I just love them. And uh, God so uses them, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of them. Uh, for we all play a part, right? This isn't the Percocet, okay? <laughs> I just want you to know that. So, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, you know, there's five chapters in First uh, Thessalonians, right? And uh, we, this is our seventh message through uh, the first two chapters. Uh, so this, this will be our seventh message starting chapter 3, right? Okay, so if you have your Bibles or your phones which are turned off, or silenced, okay, and uh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> kind of an uh, inside joke, sort of. But First Thessalonians chapter three, we're going to actually cover the entire chapter, right? That sounds like a lot, but it really isn't. And um, we're going to start by reading the first five verses. In chapter three, and let me navigate this somewhat slower this morning. <clears throat> this is what the scripture says, chapter three, verse one. So when we could stand it no longer, now I want you to notice something as I read through these five verses. Right, I want you to read how he how it transitions. From we to an I, as Paul is speaking here. He says, so when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker, in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. I want to lift this arm so bad. <laughs> So that no one would be unsettled by these trials, for you know quite well that we are destined for them. Not the best of news, but truth. Right? He said, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, watch this, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer. You notice that transition? Notice that from we to I, I sent, this is Paul speaking, of himself. I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. We'll cover more of the scripture, but I just wanted to get us going in that direction to kind of set the groundwork as we cover this chapter. Let's, let's pray this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray 
to you, Father, because what we need this morning uh, is a message, a word, um, a live, a living word from your spirit and from the revelation of your written word. I pray, Father, that we would rightfully, rightfully uh, divide the word of truth this morning, that we would navigate this scripture without compromise, that what is in the, the context of it would be shared to the growth and encouragement and the strengthening of our own relationship with you, sweet Jesus, and that it would grow us up in our hearts and our spirits, that we might... Leave here knowing you better. Oh God, that we would say that we leave 100 hops away on September the 24th, 2023, knowing you better. This is what we ask in the name of Jesus and the sons and daughters of God said amen. Amen. Okay, let's, let's, look, let's look at this scripture really quick here. If we can. So he's, he begins chapter 3, as you guys can see. He begins chapter 3, and this is what he says. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. There was this overwhelming longing that the Apostle Paul, Timothy, and Silas had to engage the, third, the church there in Thessalonica. This was a young church, and they had a great deal of concern for this church, right? We covered this. We've read through the first couple of chapters. You guys know that this church was born after the Apostle Paul had spent three weeks in Thessalonica. So it was a young church, though a powerfully a powerful church, it was still young. So there was a great deal of concern that these three elder uh, statesmen of the church, including Timothy, had for these people in Thessalonica. You can imagine what that would be like if you're a parent and you're at any distance from your children and you can't get to them and you haven't heard from them, you haven't, haven't received a report from them. You know how in your heart, man, that can just absolutely wreck you, Right? It can steal sleep from you, steal rest from you, steal the peace of mind from you. This, this concern that you have for those that you love. Paul, Silas, and Timothy had this type of concern and love for this young church. As a matter of fact, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, he says, but brothers and sisters, when we are orphaned by being separated from you for a short time in person and not in thought, he says this, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. Now we understand intense, parasols, overflowing in abundance, right? An abundance of longing to be with them. That's what he's expressing. Now when I'm reading that scripture and, I, and I'm trying to hear what he is saying there's something in that man that, that just doesn't jive sometimes with the modern church. And there's this intense longing to be with one another. I mean, can I actually ask you this morning, a rhetorical, but so, so don't shout, shout back at me. Would you say on a Sunday morning, and I believe this to be true of the Driven Church, but I would I, I have to ask you as an individual, would you say as, as of on a Sunday morning, there's an intense longing to gather with one another to worship God? Let me say this, if there's not, there should be. 
I think there's a biblical model in this expression that Paul's making in this letter, this intense This should be something. I'm not saying, man, you get up at 3 o'clock and start clicking your heels and park out in the parking lot until the church doors are open. But I'm saying, man, there should be an anticipation, an excitement, a fervor, a desire to gather with one another, to draw from one another, and to give to one another. Right? And as much as we receive from one another, there should be a compulsion in us or an impulse in us to be a giver to one another as well. And the, the Apostle Paul, the words that he uses here, he says, man, when I could stand it no longer. Meaning, man, he had basically boiled over. His concern for them, it was percolating, man. It was per Then all of a sudden, it just began to spill out, right? And he said, when we could stand it no longer, we had to act. Right? You, you, we read it, right? Now, I need you to stay with me because this is some tough stuff, man. We got some tough questions to ask ourselves before we get out of this scripture in chapter 3. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens, right? Now, this is what I want you to understand. There are, he's about to reference them sending Timothy to Thessalonica. Well, what ends up happening, you can go back, you can read in, in Acts, in Acts chapter uh, 14, in Acts chapter 14, it says this, because Paul is speaking at this point, he's referencing when he was in Athens. This is what the scripture says in Acts chapter 17, verse 14 and 15. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. That was the plan. That was the plan. So what had happened was they leave Thessalonica, they go into Berea. In Berea, Paul's assaulted, comes under this great deal of persecution. He leaves Berea, he heads into Athens, leaving Timothy and Silas behind in Berea. The plan was, once Paul was, was uh, in, in a place to receive them, that they would come to Paul as soon as possible. Man, don't waste any time, come to me. Why is that? Because even apostles need one another. Even It doesn't matter where you're at on the totem pole of, of, of Christian leadership, church leadership. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor, associate pastor, worship leader, children's pastor, if you're an elder. Every, no one can make this journey by themselves. Everyone needs one another. No exceptions. And Paul is saying to them, man, as soon as I get here, you guys join me immediately. Why? I need you, and you need me. And the church that I'm going to, to uh, uh, engage with, start with, in Athens will need you, right? So what ends up happening at this moment, they're left in Berea. The scripture says, the scripture says right here, <clears throat> it says, we sent Timothy. So what happens is the word gets to Timothy who is still in Berea with Silas and Timothy moves then to Macedonia or back into deeper Macedonia into Thessalonica and you have Silas who is remaining in Berea. So now all three of them are separated. The reason we know this is because in Acts chapter 18, verse 1, it says, After this, talking about them being in uh, uh, Berea, 
or in Athens, it says, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Remember, I said Corinth was the place where this letter was written. So he's in Athens, right? Paul was in Athens by himself, right? Everybody's with me? Silas is in Berea. Now Timothy is sent back to Thessalonica. The three of them are separated. At some point, Timothy, in his return, engages Silas once again. Because the scripture says in Acts chapter 18, verse 5, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Now here's the crazy thing. This is the, the important thing. This is the passion of Paul. Pa, uh, Paul, when he leaves them, when they all separate, and he ends up in Athens prior to getting into Corinth, where they all come back together in Corinth, when he goes into Athens by himself, he goes into a city that is absolutely 100% devoted to idolatry. And he was willing to journey into that city by himself because he recognized the need of the church in Thessalonica to be greater than his need. So he put himself on the back burner and sent those who would be an aid to him to be an aid to them. Are you with me? So he's left alone in Athens, and this is no joke, man. As a matter of fact, when you read the scripture about his experience in Athens, it's, this is what it says. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So here he is in this, in this distressed state, right, having to engage in this city that all kinds of spiritual things happening. He is separated from his inner circle of support. And he does this for them. And this is what the scripture says. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ. Now, I do love this. Did you know? He said, we sent Timothy. Not I, not just me. So it wasn't just Paul's heart for them. I believe there was a communication between, instead of them guys getting back together, there was a communications between those guys. And the communication was, Timothy, will you go? And we, as the scripture says, we sent Timothy. Somewhere in that dialogue, somewhere in this, in this discourse, Timothy agrees to leave his mentor, that being the apostle Paul, to go back to this young church. Why? Why did he do that? To do what? Well, the scripture says the reason why. And what he was to do. This is what the scripture says. To strengthen and encourage you in your faith. That's what he said. We sent Timothy back to you guys to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. The word strengthen in the Greek, serizo. You know what it means? To add a support that fixes. It's like a broken bone. Slide that brace in there. It's added strength. Now, when I take this brace off and pull out this, this fiberglass sheathing on the inside of it, all of a sudden my arm feels really weak where it's been broken, right? But when I put this support on, man, there's a strength that's given to me that isn't my own. It's a different type of strength. It's a, and that's what Paul was saying to Timothy. He was saying to, to Timothy, man, and to the church of Thessalonica, we're sending him to give you some strength, 
to give you some strength. Strength that's not your own. And then he says, not just strength, but encouragement. To come alongside you. To come alongside you and to admonish you and exhort you. Can you do that? Have you ever been called to do that? Have you been a strength to another person? Have you ever been encouragement to another person? Or are you a taker? Do you remove strength? You know what that, the, the, the idea of strengthening means literally, in a sense, to impart strength. To give strength, fix support. Or are you a taker? Do people leave your company weaker for having engaged you? Or are they stronger for having engaged you? Are they discouraged for having engaged you? Or are they encouraged for having engaged you? I hope we would all say, that they're strengthened and they're encouraged. But if we're being honest, is that true? And then this is what he says. <clears throat> we sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. I love the term unsettled. It's, it's, a, it's a word that is used to describe the wagging of a dog's tail. And when he's talking about being unsettled, what he's talking about is vacillating from one side to the other. Not really being able to hold your ground. Not really being able to, you know, to be plumb, man. And you, some, some days you left, some days you right. Some days you're Fox News, some days you're CNN. Right? That's what he's talking about, vacillating. I don't want you to become unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. And then he says this, In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. We kept telling you the truth. Now how many people you think were jumping up gleeful about that news? And it turned out that way, as you well know. When the word came from the Apostle Paul, from Timothy, from Silas, when they were there in Thessalonica, and they said, listen, guys, you've seen the persecution that I've had to bear. And you guys are following the same king, the same Christ, the same Messiah, and the likelihood of you facing the same trials and persecutions is like 100%. It's coming. Now, that's not something you celebrate, but it is something that you can fix the resolve in your spirit. So when it does come, man, you're rooted. And you can engage it. Because when we subscribe to lies and ridiculous theology that promotes things that just aren't true, and when the reality of that doctrine fails you in your life, and something is presented contrary to that, you have no root system deep enough and strong enough To hold you together. So I would rather speak truth to you and disappoint you yeah. 
yet prepare you. They just speak a lie to you and be approved of you and leave you unprepared. And Paul said, man, we told you guys it was coming and it came and he says, as you well know. Mm. And then Paul says this, man, I love this. I love this. For this reason, when I could stand it, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. And he says, I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. I love the personal transition here where collectively we may have the same heart by choice. We collectively choose the same heart. This isn't something gained through, I've said it a thousand times, a spiritual osmosis. You will not catch this heart by just being around it. Collectively we can possess this heart, but the collection or the assembling of a collective heart is done on an individual, personal, private level. Meaning everyone on this front row can have that heart, but everyone on this front row must choose that as an individual. The Apostle Paul opens up his own heart, and he's not speaking for Silas at this moment. He's not speaking for Timothy. He's speaking for himself. He says, this is where I was at. This is where I was at. He said, I was afraid. And I'm the apostle born out of season, chosen by God. And I was afraid that the tempter had come. You were just babies. You can understand this, right? You were babies in the faith. And I was afraid that the tempter had come and tempted you. And that our labor was in vain. Hmm. And he says this. But Timothy has just now come to us from you. Now he's speaking of his arrival in Corinth, him and Silas. And the letters written from all three, so they're reassembled. Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Worried mom, worried dad. You know when your kids, the new drivers. How many of you got new drivers in your house? Okay, how many of you got old drivers, but they still feel like new drivers? Right, you know what I'm talking about? They've been driving four or five years. They, they think they're Richard Petty, and every time they go out, every mom in here has visions of their kids in ditches upside down, ditches flooding with water. They're trapped. You know what I'm talking about? How many moms, dads, got any dads out there like that? You know what I'm talking about, right? And you've been calling them all afternoon. You've been texting them. And you know, total don't text and drive. And yet you know they're driving. You're out there texting them. And then when they answer, you get on them. Why are you texting me back? I know you're driving. I'll see you on the app. Car moving. Right? And you're all stoked, man, with fear. And you done, man, this thing done, done took over your mind. You done went crazy. You're thinking of things. I mean, your kids have been gone 30 minutes and somehow they've been kidnapped in Texas. 
And you're, I mean, you're, they're making a run for the border. You're, I mean, your brain will go crazy. And then all of a sudden, the word comes, a phone call comes, a text comes. Oh, man, you're just full of joy, which is quickly accompanied by anger, you know, because they didn't call soon enough. And this is what the apostle, this is, I, I can only assume from the expressions that he's made that this is probably his response. We brought us good news. We read the good post on Facebook. The good text message, the good phone call came to us and there was good news about your faith and your love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. And he says, for now we really live. You know how it's transitioned like over to the group now? Because the good news didn't just affect him. It was his distress that motivated him. But the good news poured on all of them because they all had the same heart. But he couldn't speak for them. He only spoke for himself regarding that. He says, now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Now, Timothy comes back from Thessalonica. He arrives there in Corinth, and he gives this good report. Now, here's, here's the question. I send someone to your house. I need to know what's going on at Ben and Darcy's. I ain't seen them. I need to know what's going on at Ronnie and Penny's. I need to know what's going on at Taryn and Nate's. I haven't seen them. I need to know what's going on at Dwayne and Connie's. I go on and on. I need to know. And I send someone, because I, I, I can't take it any longer. I need to know. I need to know what's going on with Amy and Jeremiah. Aaron and Lisa, I need to know. Josh, I need, let me ask, what kind of report's coming back to me? Is it a report That produces life, a life response? Is it going to be a report that will justify my distress and my concern and my worry? What type of a report is returning from your home? What type of report is returning from Trent's home? See? And then the Apostle Paul says this. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the faith. You know what he's saying? You know what he's saying right there? I got more things popping on me. <laughs> Y'all think it's the floor up here popping, don't you? Yeah. You know what he's saying right there? It wasn't that funny. Just kidding. When he says, for now we really live since you are standing firm, you know what he's saying? He's contrasting 
his condition at that moment to his condition when he was perplexed and distressed when he didn't know. And the report comes back, and what he basically says was, you guys and the report from your home has breathed life into me. You know, that's a part of the prayer of my heart for my family, because I, I, I can't make decisions for other families, is that when people come into contact with the people in my home, they get the reports from my household. You know what my prayer is? That it's life. That it's life. I had an individual who come over to our house the other night. And this, listen, man, this ain't, I'm just, I'm just trying to say this is the goodness of God. And this individual told us upon leaving, they said, I just feel safe here. I feel like I can just rest here. I feel sheltered here. You know what that is? That's alive. That's alive. I feel like I can breathe here. There's peace here. My prayer for you is that that is the experience in your home and in your marriage and in your life. That people leave your house not reporting to me but reporting to people in their lives that there's something uniquely special about what's happening at the residence of Jay and Janie. Joy and Jay. Right? Right? My left hand's about as numb as a left hand can get right now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, and then he says this. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Oh, Bree, every time I see you, my sister, it's encouraging. It's encouraging. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again. Man, he's talking about this young church, Jay, that's on fire. I mean, the good reports come in. I mean, they're, they're doing things right, man. And it's, it's life to him and to those who get the report. And you know what he says to these guys? He says this. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. You know what he's saying? Oh, man, God's doing great things there. God's doing great things in your life, Ricky. Doing great things in Ryan's life. And I can go on and on. He's doing great things in your life, Monica. But God wants to meet you in the place that's still lacking. Because he wants to fortify that place too. And you know what the reality is? I got to come clean, man. And you got to get on with me. You got to get on board with me. We're all lacking. None of us have arrived. None of us are at that place where there's still not a work for God to do in our hearts and in our lives. Kevin Campbell, the only reason you're alive is God still working. And he says to this young church who's on fire, oh, we want to meet the lack in your life. And you know what we have to do as believers? We have to acknowledge there's a lack in our life that the lack may, may be met. It's those who deny the lack, man, who, who maintain the lack. But it's those of us 
who acknowledge the lack, the space for work where work is required. Man, we open that thing up. We don't hide it from God. We open it up. And I say, hey, God, there's some lack right here. I invite you into this arena of my life. Work in this life. And you know what God does? He works. And he feels that lack. And you know what I do next, Jay? God, here's another lack. And I'm going to, until the end of this thing, until I breathe my last breath, there will be an open invitation into the lack of my life to God that he would continue to work in me, through me, till my last breath is breathed, Daniel. Uh, Let's see. Okay. We're, we're, We're closing. We're closing up. See, I'm in no hurry this morning. See, my family's gone. They're all in Florida. I have no one to go home to. I ain't going home to sit by myself. I'll just keep y'all here. <laughs> I'll keep y'all here with me all day long. Yeah, that's right. You won't be lonely either. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he ain't far off. Listen, listen. 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 and 12. Listen to this. He says, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Now, you know what he's referencing. We read it last week, right? Chapter 2, verse 18. When the apostle Paul said, we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. He's saying right here, he blocked our way, but God can make a way. Right? Amen that. Yeah. He says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. That's a pretty, pretty lofty prayer, isn't it? Just as our does for you, as ours does for you. You know what he was praying right there? This is a hard thing. This is a hard thing. This is the question. This is the hard question. Questions. He was basically praying for them to experience what they had experienced. He was basically saying, I want you to have what I want, what I have. I want you to have what I have, I possess. Do you see that? I want your love to, to increase and all, just like ours does, right? So let me ask you, because we're about to close, just a simple question, and it's this. Could you pray that prayer? Could you look at your, your neighbor, your coworker, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your son, your daughter, and say, I want you to possess what I possess. And the reality of how God works out of my life, I want it to be real like that in your life. Is that a valid prayer? If the church service depended solely on your worship, how full of worship would the service be? If the church had to depend solely on my faithfulness or your faithfulness, how faithful would my church be? Ask yourself that. If the church had to survive solely on my prayer life, how much prayer would be going on in my church? If the church could only go as deep as my relationship with God goes, how deep would my church be? 
If we had to make it on my Bible reading and my Bible knowledge, how knowledgeable would my church be? If the preaching depended solely on my response to the preaching and the altar call, how responsive would my church be? If it all depended on me, what type of church we would be, what kind of church would we be if it looked just like me? Why these tough questions, Trent? You're closing out the service. Why do you want to close with such a tough line of questions? It's because of what he says in the last verse, in chapter 3. And you're like, Trent, we're through chapter 3? Yes. And this is the last verse. This is why we have to ask these tough questions. Because of this. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless, you get that? And holy in the presence of God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Why do we have to answer that question or that, that line of questions? Why do we have to do the, the, the tough work? Because he's coming. And Paul was saying to them, this young church at Thessalonica, I want you blameless and holy in the presence of God. When the Lord Jesus comes, right? So, Trent... um, we, we navigate chapter 3 of Thessalonians. For what? Ultimately, we can leave here individually and collectively. Blameless. And holy. That we can stand before God. And I can say to God, Lord, with everything you gave me, I did the very best I could. To present the scripture in as real a fashion as I could present it. And I cannot own the response of the people. Yet the burden and the distress of not knowing can be overwhelming as it was for the Apostle Paul. So I just give it to you with love, with a desire to present you before God as a good shepherd. And say, Lord, I, I, I present them to you blameless and holy. And I want to be able to do that with the utmost assurance that that's where you're at. Stand with me this morning.
I don't know what's going on. I tell you, with your heads bowed, I need you to just bow your heads out of respect for one another. Just do that. Just. I don't, I don't know what's going on in every area of your life. I just, I do not know. I don't pretend to know. But I can say this morning that there's some concern in my heart for some of you. A little distress over some of you. And so what I want to do in this moment is I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord and not to Trent, but to the Lord around one of these altars. Around one of these altars. We're just going to take a moment. And if you're that person and you need to pray this morning, man, you need to share some things up. You need to let God into that, that place of lack to do the work that only God can do. If that's you this morning, why don't you come? Why don't you come this morning? There's no music playing. There's none of that. But this can be a solemn time between you and God for you to respond to him. No one's going to twist your arm. No one's going to come back here and pull you out of an aisle. No one's going to come back here and beg and plead and violate your will. But this opportunity is yours. And it's yours. And we're just going to give a few moments for those who want to respond this morning. In the name of Jesus. We're just going to give a few moments. Some have already come. I sure would hope that it was you. Give a few moments here. Just give it a few moments. Give a few more moments. I know what it's like, man. The silence is deafening at times, isn't it? You feel so uncomfortable. But he's in the silence as much as he's in the worship. You know he's here. You know that. You sense that. Lord Jesus. Sweet Jesus.